When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the DMVR Buffs podcast. My name is Jake Schwanitz. Today I am joined by my friends Ryan Konigsberg, Henry Chisholm. Before we get into the show, we are presented by the American Raptors. Head on over to AmericanRaptors.com. Grab your free ticket for one of their rugby games or stream all their matches on that site as AmericanRaptors.com. Gentlemen, how are we doing today? Good. I've got a so halo of light on my head. <laughs> oh, you do? That's <laughs> kind of fun, Illustrate isn't it? the oh, angel that I, I am. I get a little light if I go... Wow. This way. There we go. I'm two faced. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, I mean, the Owen McCown era is off and running. Yeah, it we're, sure is. We're going. Um, I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on his first game. I've already talked a lot about him, but I want to hear what you guys thought. It was what Coach Carl Durrell called CU's best passing production in two seasons. <laughs> um, <laughs> take that. <laughs> Don't mean to laugh. <laughs> But, I mean, it's true. It is true. He went for two fifty-eight. Damn it! I mean, <laughs> the eye test too. He was yes. easily the best quarterback oh, that yeah. I've seen play for this team in two years. Uh, Ryan, your thoughts on Owen McCown? Um, how did you think he did in his first career start? The word I would just use is competent, um, and it's not a word you've been able to use about anyone else in the last two years. Uh, and and so, you know. The hard thing for Owen and, you know, being in the stands and just kind of hearing the fans, I think there was like a lot of support for him. But also when you're lauded at like every, the next guy to come in is always going to be the savior. Yeah. And so when, when you get that put on your shoulders, everyone expects a lot more. I personally didn't 26 of 42, 258 yards could have been more. Um, it, I come away from it being like, okay, that's something you can build on. Of course you want to like, you know, uh, start it with this, like, oh, the, the lore of Owen McCown starts with him coming and getting the team off the schneid and he makes some crazy game winning drive at the end, whatever. But like the defense wasn't going to allow that to happen in the first place. Uh, I was excited. You know, our friend Adam Munster tiger tweeted out before the game, like what, what defines a successful start for you? And I was like, confidence and competence in throwing a football. (laughs) And I saw that. So on the whole, I liked what I saw. Henry. He wasn't the problem. That's true. I think he wasn't one of the problems, I guess I should say, because there were a lot of them. I'm, 
you're you're not going to get a perfect performance from a true freshman who I mean, it's like sure, Trevor Lawrence was awesome. He was also, you know, six foot four and all that sort of stuff. Like Owen McCown has a lot of just physical development that is needed before he turns into a like a good Pac twelve quarterback. But in terms of the other parts of the game, you know, knowing where to go with the ball, not not panicking, but finding space to extend plays, there's a lot to like. And maybe this is kind of like a lazy thing to say, but he just looks like the son of an NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like he looks like he knows what he's doing. Like the arm isn't totally there yet. Mm-hmm. Like you need a little more zip on those balls. But again, competent. I think competent. Yeah. Maybe, maybe just almost a competent, but this was at the very least just a, you're, you're out there, you're throwing the football around 258 yards. There's nothing to complain about when there's 258 yards. The crazy thing for me is like, I go just look at the receiving stats. Like, you know, the passing stats over the past few years, they look mm-hmm. so bad, but like then during those games, when you scroll down to the receiving stats, it just, it was a joke. You know, you'd see like one catch for 48 yards for Brendan Rice or something. And then like yep. two catches for eight yards for Dimitri Stanley. And like, this looks like a legitimate receiving chart. Four catches, 82 yards for Daniel Arias. You know, Brady Russell has four catches for 33. RJ Snead has three catches for 29. Maurice Bell has five catches for 26. That looks like real a real box score for receivers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a touchdown in there, too. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's... there's Jordan Tyson, the uh, mm-hmm. garbage time king. Yes. Yeah. It's too early to say, like, oh, yeah, Owen McCown, that's a future all-pack 12 quarterback. But you have at least one one box checked. Now you figure out the running game and the receivers and you know the blocking and every part of the defense. But but there is that one thing that you now have where you say, okay, this is Ole McCown's team. Yeah, and I think that can take you a long, long way if you ever get that other stuff figured out. Um, mm-hmm. And that's the sad thing about this right now is like I would love to just see like Owen McCown get put into a pressure situation where like it's the third quarter and you're down by seven and your defense just gave one up and like you need one here like how does he respond in that moment how does he yeah exactly like i want to see that that's how you really grow up and you really mature as a quarterback and i'm legitimately fearful that he's never going to get that opportunity this this whole season it's absolutely valid i mean we'll get into arizona a bit later um really quick go ahead we don't even know yet if they're going to play in the rest of the season. Obviously it seems Mm -hmm. like the obvious decision. There is a world where he plays two more games and then they shut him down uh, to keep his red shirt. Absolutely. Uh, Go ahead, Hank, if you had something to say on that. Oh, no, totally. And I'm beyond that. He could, he could put 98 yards on 45% passing this week. I still think, He's probably your best option just because he gave you that last week, which is a new high for anybody in that room. But, yeah, but it challenge, is still week to week. Yeah, the challenge for him this week is Arizona's obviously going to look at that film and just see how much they did at or around the line of scrimmage and try to counteract that. The exciting part about that is that means maybe you get some press coverage opportunities with Daniel Arias and RJ Snead and these guys. And, like, mm-hmm. I think Owen actually has – the game to be able to throw it out there and give those guys a chance. We saw it happen with Arias a couple times in that game. Yeah, so talking to Darrell on Monday, um, he was asked who the starting quarterback was. He, of course, said Owen McCown, but did not really commit to him long-term, as you said. So I definitely think that the redshirt situation is still in play. Mm -hmm. And then when you just look at the November slate for the Buffs, I mean, Oregon, Utah, Washington, USC, 
uh, not in that order, but that's who you got to go up against. And as a true freshman who's, let's be honest, pretty small at this point and not really fully grown out in, into his body, as well as the arm, I mean, do you really want to throw him to those wolves? Uh, so it's a valid question. I, I Carl's going to have to go to Rick George's office at some point and just say, like, hey, am I canned if I don't win a game here? Because if so, then I'm playing Owen the rest of the year. <laughs> if you're telling me, hey, you're coming back, then I'm going to sit him down so we keep his red shirt because now I'm playing for the future. Am I playing for right mm -hmm. now or am I playing for the future? Mm -hmm. The other thing, though, and I guess that would change that a little bit, is in college football, every win really does count. Like, you have recruiting visits and you have all this stuff. So, mm -hmm. like, if you can win one, you have to try to do it. And it, that the same thing, going winless doesn't have any sort of benefit like it would in the pros, right. you know, where you get a higher draft pick. So, at this point, I would say Owen has to play the rest of the season. And, yeah, is he going to learn some probably tough and painful, literally, lessons against that, you know, gauntlet to end the season? For sure. Uh, but he'll be better for it long-term as long as he doesn't get, you know, legitimately hurt. Uh, going back to something Hank said, though, just on, you know, you got to have the wide receivers and running backs come along. There was a lot of freshmen playing last weekend mm -hmm. uh, on the offensive line, at running back, uh, most notably, I think, and at wide receiver. What freshman other than McCown impressed you guys the most? I mean, there's Jordan Tyson mm -hmm. to pick from. Chase Soul didn't really do much. Uh, he ended up leaving the game with an injury and probably will not be available this week. But then Charlie Offerdahl at the start at running back over Deion Smith. We also saw Anthony Hankerson for the first time uh, from St. Thomas Aquinas uh, High School, a big-time recruit for this team, and had an awesome run that we all saw. Who was the most impressive freshman to you guys? It's Hankerson to me. Uh, he's maybe, maybe part of that is just being so excited to finally see him. Um, well, especially because he was supposed to gray shirt this year. So you weren't supposed to be able to see him at all. But then I think it was Ramon Jefferson – transferred out as quickly as he transferred in they're like ah well might as well use this scholarship here and he lived up to the hype seven carries 25 yards that's solid for considering what's going on he's out there breaking tackles and he's he what he led saint thomas aquinas to back-to-back -back state championships as a running back and it was kind of a surprise to me that he wound up being a gray shirt candidate and i feel validated because he looked good, and I'm excited to see him run the ball more. Yeah, I mean, it's essentially like one or two plays that you end up hanging on to for Hankerson. Right, yep. um, but the one run was electric. Yeah, the 10 yard yeah. run. Right. It, you know, it had Javante Williams or yep. like oh, one yeah. of those guys written all over it. Um, so that was exciting. I have to say, though, like, as excited I am for that, I still want to see more. I'm pretty impressed by Charlie Offerdahl. Yeah. Like, this is a guy who, if you saw him at the spring game last year, you saw him ball out, and you were just like, oh, this is like a cute story of a guy who will probably never play. Yep. And he worked his way up, did it again in this year's spring game, where yep. everyone's like, damn, can he play? And then he gets out on the field last week. It looked like he could play. And in this game, you know, again, given the circumstances, it's not great, but three and a <laughs> 3.4 yards per carry is right there with Hankerson at 3.6, yep. um, which is the bulk of your carries on the, in the game. 14 carries, 47 yards. I just feel like he looks like a he he looks like he's just getting started, mm -hmm. and that's exciting to me. And it feels like he has, I don't know, uh, an it factor about him. Would you say a little bit of Philip Lindsay? I mean, he's a Colorado native. <laughs> he compared himself to Philip Lindsay when I asked him which pros he likes to to watch and model his game after. And he's a small, uh, small running back running for Colorado. Yeah, I mean, Phil had this like aggression 
yeah in his game that i have not seen from charlie offered all yet but i like the the comp like it is crazy to say but at this point putting someone on the field who's just like proud to be wearing the jersey is worth something mm-hmm. um and that like philip when philip Lindsay came in they were in the same situation like john Embry recruited philip Lindsay, mm-hmm. so they were terrible then and like having that dude in that locker room who loved colorado football cared about it you know, felt like he was really doing something special when he put on a gold helmet. Like, that counts for something. So, there is something to that. I would say, like, I want to see a little bit more from him in terms of finishing runs to be compared to Philip Lindsay. But in that sense of just, like, maybe eventually he ends up being a captain just because, that like, he's that guy. He loves the team that much. That's worth something. Right. Valid points. Uh, real quick, going to talk to you guys about a couple of our sponsors. Shout out to DraftKings. They have been awesome. Uh, if you got in on that uh, Broncos money line bet on Sunday night, we had to sweat that one out a little. It took sure until, until the fourth quarter until they actually even had a lead. But that one cashed out. Uh, Henry is in on the Aaron Judge boosted hit odds tonight. It's plus 100, right? It sure is. Plus 100 to get a hit. They actually refunded last night everyone who took that offer um, because Judge was walked on all his at-bats last night. That's so Um, crazy. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game or once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DMVR to get $200 in free bets. If your team wins, when you place a $5 bet, bet on any – or place a $5 bet in any football game. It's code DMVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Also, shout out to Athletic Greens. Uh, since I've instituted the routine of waking up, taking my Athletic Greens every day, I really have felt an improvement in just my energy um, and overall health at this point. 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods so- source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens all loaded up in the Athletic Greens. To make it easy, they're going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com buffs. Once again, that is athleticgreens.com buffs to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, guys, uh, moving on. We're going to talk a bit about Arizona and then use it to kind of segue into the transfer portal and then talk about the buffs' future. Arizona, of course, a team that went 1-11 last year. They have a chance to go 3-2 and two this weekend uh, against the Buffs. Does that turnaround inspire some hope into you guys that the Buffs program maybe not is as far off as most people think? Definitely. I mean, it's Arizona was in a worse place than Colorado as recently as last year when the Buffs blew them out. Um, but it's really simple. Like, get yourself a coach and a staff. And get yourself a quarterback, and you can win football games in college football. And, you know, it's to be seen so far on Owen. um, But that staff down there has been doing a good job of recruiting, like you mentioned, a good job of using the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean you're competing competing for national championships all of a sudden, but you're competing for Pac-12 wins all of a sudden. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's the the big hope, I think, for me, is that you – you really are just like one good coach away. Now, the unfortunate thing is that the Buffs probably had it in Mel Tucker, uh, and then they, they lost it just as quick as they had. That is tough. I, I've been thinking a lot about last week or last year before the Arizona game. We're talking with the PHNX guys, and they're just making jokes. Like We're saying, like, yeah, I think, I think Arizona's got this one. And at that point, they had lost 16 games in a row, yeah. 17 games yeah. in a row, something like that. And they're just saying, like, no, nah, you – 
you guys don't understand what this is going to look like. Like you do not get what what this bad football looks like. And then Colorado goes out there and stops them. It was like thirty-five to seven. Exactly. Uh, Did they lose? Thirty-four score? nothing. Thirty-four oh, nothing. Isn't up. that wild? But yeah, and so you go through that, and now the roles feel like they're reversed. Yep. Where it's like Arizona. I know there's a lot of hype. There's whatever they beat NDSU. It's I. I don't think this is a bowl team. I think this is a team that probably wins four games, five games, something right around there, and that puts so, them about where the Buffs were last year. And now Colorado is this exact reversal of the roles where they're just fighting the, for a win. Terrible. I mean, terrible. They've they've been very, very, very bad. They've lost four games by twenty five points. Like that's it's bad. So there's hope, I guess, that you can turn it around. But it is, it's it's a dark time. Like th- it feels like it's a lot, a lot of work. The thing about Arizona, though, is they look like a competent and competitive Pac-12 football team. Yep. And that's the Buffs are so far from that right now. So yep. like they did that. They took a qu- they took shortcuts to get there. Uh, and the transfer portal can be mm-hmm. a huge help for you there. But like it's as simple as like Jaden Delora is just He's way solid. better than what you know what Colorado has. Yeah. Like, at least to this point with Owen. So it's that simple to me is like they got they got him um uh, Jedfish is a legitimate like he gets football at a, at a mm-hmm. master class level. Um he brought in a staff that can help him get guys. And they flipped it and I felt like the big thing is Jedfish came in with a really solid plan. Like he knew what he wanted to do and he and he executed it. I don't know if Carl Durrell ever like it, it never seemed, seemed to me like he was taking steps towards a plan that he was executing. Right. I mean, I, we can use that as a segue into the next part about this, which is the transfer portal. And as you mentioned, Ryan, Jaden Delora, I mean, he's really the reason why this team has turned around so much. I mean, you could add in Jacob Cowing, too, the wide receiver. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I keep on hearing from Buffs fans is how all these players are going to leave in the transfer portal uh, after this season. Well, as you mentioned, Hank, I mean, Arizona is probably thinking the same thing. Whatever talent they had last year was probably going to leave through the transfer portal. And all of a sudden, they're getting all these guys in. It goes back to what you said, though, Ryan. You need a head coach with a plan. So how confident are you guys in the next coaching staff? We, of course, don't know who it is yet. But that they can hit this coaching staff and that they can keep some of these guys around to really start to build something, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, going to be a challenge for sure. And we talked about like, oh, what if Owen blows up? Well, then the new coach, his first job is re-recruiting Owen McCown. Um, you know, and if he can do that, then great. Uh, but I think, I, I think the hard thing for people to remember, and I brought this up last week on the show, is just that Rick George got his first coaching hire right. And that was over a full cycle, like a normal thing. The second time, he definitely got his hands tied. Now, we can, you know... Um, criticize the contract all day long and, and we should but i i like i have confidence that rick george actually knows what a good football coach looks like and in this specific case he was just he had his hands tied and and didn't uh, didn't want to go for it with a um interim head coach for a whole year right yep i think so i think i mean the portal is going to be the big key regardless of what happens and who's here you know i I've said it quite a few times on this podcast, but if I if I had been in this staff's shoes, I would have been hammering the portal. Like, you're just looking for guys who mm-hmm. can come in here and play. And on top of that, once you transfer, you can't transfer again. 
And so instead of instead of going and getting those guys and saying like, okay, now you're here for three more years or two more years or whatever it may be, you add freshmen. And so now you're in this situation where, like I said, I really like the Anthony Hankerson pickup. If he plays poorly, yeah, you probably keep him. But that's a player who played poorly. If he plays well, then he's probably going to the portal. And so there's that flip side of that too. I mean, regardless though, there just aren't a lot of really talented players on this team right now. I think that's obvious. That's fair. Yeah. Like you, you look at them when they line up against uh, Minnesota and from the first snap, you're like, there's just a size speed mm-hmm. gap here. Yep. The, the UCLA game, you know, Zach Charbonnet breaking all those tackles. Like, yeah. That's, it's just, there's a, there's a gap. Mm-hmm. There's a gap. And so I guess I'm not quite as worried about the departures in the, tr- in the transfer portal, because I feel like you do need to really build out this team through the portal this off season. I asked all those questions to lead to this one. Obviously, Arizona is the game this weekend. Next week is the bye. If the Buffs play poorly again and they lose by 25-plus points or more, Mm -hmm. uh, the spread is 17.5, do we see a change going into the bye week? I don't know. I'm hearing so much conflicting information about this. Um, Some people kind of made it seem like it was imminent a couple weeks ago. After the Minnesota game, other people have said it's not happening unless they win zero games. And so, like, I, I honestly don't know. I will say, you know, getting blown out by Arizona after you blew them out last year should be a giant red mm-hmm. flag. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I still feel like money and resources are the biggest hurdle here. Now, that doesn't mean you don't fire Carl Durrell. It just means maybe you need more time to gather the resources you need to fire Darrell because we talked about this earlier like it's a fully guaranteed contract so you owe him seven million dollars this year and what there's three more years left on it I think it's to 24 okay so 23 and 24 two more years so two more years after so that's essentially going to bring it down to four and a half or something or four um if you kept him for another year that's two and a half three million dollar difference what does that do for you other than Mm -hmm save you that money like it it probably does more long-term damage so i think the uh, the move will be made eventually it's just i wonder if they're they feel comfortable with what they have to do it now yeah i i would say it happens it's again tough call just because they haven't done it so far i think the the bye week always makes sense it's just tough to say you know i i thought that unless they I guess I was saying if they won two games, three games, then you have that conversation. Mm-hmm. There's still a chance to win two or three games. Like it seems so unlikely because of how poorly they play, but there's plenty of opportunities to hit that mark. I still think though that you have to pull the trigger just because, and you've you've got nothing out of this football team for the first month of the season, and there's really no reason to think. I mean, Owen McCown was kind of your your final card you could play. Played the card, he did about all he could. Still not competitive. How about this then? So say the Buffs do get blown out this weekend. They don't fire Darrell. Does that mean he's coaching throughout the end of the year regardless? Probably. Uh, because, I don't know. I mean, sometimes you just have to do things um, just to appease the fan base. Like, So maybe they just do it later in the season just to say, like, hey, we hear you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, 
if you plan on keeping him, then you don't have to do things to appease the fan base. But we, I think it's pretty clear now. We all know that they plan on firing him and they want to fire him. Mm-hmm. So at a certain point, you might just say, like, it's not to boost the team or anything. It's just to say, like, we listened. You guys were right. We fired Carl Durrell, yeah. you know. Um, real, one quick point on the transfer portal. I do think we're seeing a the, the mass exodus sort of stuff that we're seeing right now. I think we'll actually correct back a little bit over time. Mm-hmm. Um, like... Brendan Rice is fifth in receptions and receiving yards right now at USC. Like, he's an afterthought um, where he was a star here, obviously, or at least regarded as one. Um, he's got nine catches, so, you know, he's getting a little under three catches a game. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw the same thing happen with Katie Nixon the year before. Transfers to USC isn't really part of what they want to do. So I think the whole, like, grass is always greener thing is going to come back to earth a little bit over time. Right now, every player that has a good game is like, oh, I can go play for the big boys, you know? Um, And I think over time, you're going to start to see more people realize like, oh, it's better for me to be on the field and play than it is to go to a place like USCU that's just... They're going to tell you and three other wide receivers, hey, you're the last piece we need. And then you're going to be fighting with that those three other wide receivers just to get on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else on the head coaching situation, Hank? It's just uh, it's a challenge. I mean, there's just nothing you can really say to defend Carl. You know, there, there's yeah. really just nothing there. There hasn't been any sort of fight or anything like that. I mean... The program has consistently declined since he took over. I mean, that first year they go to the bowl game. Still got to give him credit for that, props for that. But it's just been a steady decline with no reason to think that's going to end anytime soon. So well, you gotta you gotta pull the trigger. We were talking about this earlier with Sam Neuer. Like he led that team. Uh, him and Jarek Broussard led that team to that bowl game, and then the the next offseason you just kind of pushed him out of town. Yeah, well, and that was a weird one because he was recovering from the shoulder thing because he'd obviously taken a beating playing football like that. And from what I've heard is he just kind of, he he felt like he wasn't going to be the guy. He felt like it, it was going to be uh, JT or Brendan. And so that's why he decided to transfer. But he was getting that feeling after not even playing in spring ball. So there was no... Like competition. Yeah, there was no competition at all. But he it was just kind of a vibes thing. He was like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to be the guy. In hindsight, absolutely would have been the guy. Yeah. And who knows if that was communicated directly with him or if that was just a, a thought that he had that was wrong. But things could be different. There's a lot of things that need fixing right now. The thing that I always go back to that I think starts to just loom even larger as the days go on is just JT tearing his ACL mm-hmm. and just how that really messed up the progression of Colorado's quarterback position. Yep. It messed up the team last year. You didn't, I mean, this was a quarterback battle in the first three weeks of the season. You could have saw all year last year. Uh, didn't even have the option of that. I think I'm glad and then I gone to the portal. Yep. <laughs> but at least you would have hit the portal this off season and added exactly. another arm. That's fair. Yep. They could have had Jaden Delora. They could have. Absolutely. Honestly. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. so sad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so sad. We might have to have a couple Breckenridge breweries. Yes about it um we are throwing a watch party actually at the dmvr bar on saturday for the arizona game stop by have yourself a strawberry sky or maybe a broncos country pale ale um, also you can check out their beer locator at www.breckbrew.com to find a broncos country pale ale near you shout out to those guys we had a blast there last week uh, meeting stanley and taking a tour around their uh, brewing facilities um all right guys let's get to picking some games 
enough of the doom and gloom. Let's talk some actual football. Uh, there's two real good headlining games in the Pac-12 this weekend. We'll start off with this one. Oregon State traveling to Salt Lake to play the Utah Utes. Uh, Utah is the 12th ranked team in the country. They are 10.5 point favorites. There's only one road favorite in the Pac-12 this week, actually. Um, but your guys' thoughts, Utah State at Utah. Or Oregon State at Utah, sorry. Uh, give me Oregon State with the points. Ooh. That team... It just fights, man. Yep. Mm-hmm. They like again. It's another situation where they just got the coach right, mm-hmm. you know. And and the like, he had a vision and a plan. And they're super big in the trenches, and they're super twitchy on the outsides. They and, they have speed. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And it makes for a just a f- super formidable opponent for whoever they run into. So, well, I think Utah, you know, is the more talented team, and they might pull it out in the same in a similar way to what USC did the other night. Um, I think that they keep it within ten. I want to bet on Oregon State for all the reasons you said. Like, I think things are going really well, but like last week against USC, I guess they did cover that one, but I had an alternate yeah. line. I just had like the money line, I guess. Uh, for USC, and uh, once again this week, I just can't, I just can't quite get there. Like Utah is just too sharp, too good, too strong. Um, I'll take Utah to cover, but what Oregon State has Stanford the next week. That's when I'm going to be all over this, mm-hmm. the Oregon State hype train. I, I bet you there's going to be a prime live betting opportunity in this game. Uh, Pro- yeah, because ten points. It's already down to ten. It was ten and a half this morning, down to ten uh, for Utah. I think I'd take Oregon State though. Um, like I said, they have legit speed at the skill positions, and it's had, impressive their turnaround. I had Oregon State in a parlay that was like three safe plays and then one Ooh. big one, and I took Oregon State money line as the one big one. Oh, it was so close. That was the seventh of my nine legger, and then I had oh, Washington wow. to cover. And uh, oh, what was the other late night game? I think I pulled up. Oh, we were watching. Oh, it. Utah. I think oh, it was yeah. just Utah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just had those two to cover, and they were just like easily doing that, and I'm sweating out this USC game. That was awful. Oh, right. That was the big one that you ended up hitting. Yeah. Yeah. 43 to 1. That was one of those Insane. games where you just know like the underdog hasn't done enough to separate themselves despite doing mm-hmm. everything right. Like they're just getting, they're hitting on all cylinders, and I'm like, oh, you guys have given yourself so yep. many opportunities mm-hmm. to win this game, and you haven't taken it, and you will lose because of it. Yep, four interceptions was their downfall. Um, the next one, this is the only <sighs> road. I favorite. felt like that quarterback was just putting things into <laughs> harm way for no good reason. It was he looked much better the previous three weeks than he did yep. against a real defense. I'll say that. Um, Washington, the 15th team in the country. Is a two and a half point favorite going to UCLA. The Bruins, of course, put a beat down on the Buffs last week. Do you guys believe in the Bruins, or are you still going with Michael Penix and the Huskies? Hank? I uh, I think I've – give me – give me. no, I got to take Washington. I got to take Washington. <laughs> I, I really want to take UCLA. It's just not quite enough points. It's, this is kind of the opposite of the Oregon State thing to me. It's like I don't think that Washington is this good. Like I think they got a little bit too much steam for beating Michigan State. I just – they're better than UCLA. Like, they, they mm-hmm. should be just fine. You do wonder if Charbonnet is just going to run them over, but that's the only concern to me. I mean, they're playing at UCLA. I don't think there's any type of home field advantage the Bruins have. That is true. Yeah, but I will say fr- there's not much home field advantage in the Pac-12 at all, but Friday night game, Friday night road mm. teams have really mm-hmm. struggled historically in the Pac-12 mm-hmm. um, and really just in college football. Also, I feel like this is a head-scratcher line, and head-scratcher lines, I always like to take the side that 
is actually causing you to scratch your yes. head. Like, why is this so close? Why is UCLA only two and a half point dogs? Don't ask. Just take them and yep. then f- figure it out later. Uh, so I'll take UCLA despite the fact that Washington is definitely the better football team. I think it's a, it's a trap line. Sage advice. I will also do the same, taking UCLA. Next one, Cal with a huge performance last week against Arizona. They go to Washington State. Washington State is four-point favorites to Cal. Uh, Jaden Ott ran for like 270 yards or something for Cal. Yep. He was actually a Colorado recruit, I learned today, for a while. Yep. He sure was. The and now stories he are is, endless. He's the uh, freshman of the week and offensive yep. player of the week in the Pac-12. Yep. So that's cool. Um, uh, give me, give me Cal. You're a believer in uh, Jack Plummer. I don't know that I am though. Is the thing, but I'm not a believer in Cam Ward. I'm not a believer in really anything. I'm not even a believer in Cal putting up 49 points. Like that feels fluky to that, me. It was exactly, and so I have my concerns. But I do think that, like, it's, it's a decent defense, even though they gave up whatever 24 points in the first half mm-hmm. last week. Uh, give me, give me Cal. They're hot. I think Washington State wins big. Yeah. Uh, like an angry revenge style game after blowing it last week. Mm-hmm. I could see it. Uh, I'm not a big Cam Ward fan, but I'll take him in this spot minus four. Mm-hmm. Next one, this game a few years ago would have led uh, this segment, but Stanford at Oregon. Oregon's the 13th ranked team in the country. They are 17 point favorites at home. Homebo Knicks, you guys buying in? Uh, I think you have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you have to. You're gonna I lay know. 17 on Bo Nix. Stanford has just given nothing though. They've given no sort of reason to think that they're decent. Again, this is another one of these where I just don't like. Like I don't want to bet on Oregon. I don't want to. I don't think they're as good as people say. Mm-hmm. How can I, I just? I'm not taking Stanford to cover 17 points. I think there's a real chance by the end of the first quarter they've already blown it. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing would be that Stanford usually gives Oregon more than they want. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said. I'm going with the Ducks. I do enjoy cheering for Tanner McKee. He's solid. He's solid. He's played well. You feel you feel more comfortable with him on your team. Mm-hmm. Like it's a little nerve wracking when you're betting against. What him. is it that you like about him? He's very Davis oh, Millsy. I love pocket passers. Yeah. There's nothing I love more than a <laughs> it's good. So pocket funny passer. how different we are. He's like. I can't stand watching Tanner McKee yet. Like, sign me up for Jaden Delora all day long. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, that idiot, Jaden Delora. He's yeah. just, it's just chaos. Run some, like play some football. Kyler Murray. Exactly. Like, it's like Walmart Kyler Murray. I, I hate Kyler it. Murray. Uh, <laughs> I would advise this as a stay away. I would pick the Ducks, though, if I had to pick a side. Mm-hmm. Arizona State at the number six team in the country, USC. This is a 25.5 point line. Sheesh. Do the Trojans do it? USC also historically struggles with Arizona State, but they're the home team in this yeah, one. They're the home team. Ah, uh, then no, no, they don't cover that. They're within twenty-one of Utah last week. By the way, that kid that transferred from Arizona State to USC, the is it Gentry? Oh yeah, the linebacker. That is the weirdest thing I've ever seen. Like he <laughs> looks like a wing on the basketball team, yeah. and he's playing middle linebacker on the football team. Though that's never yes. supposed to happen, and it no. works. He was. Uh, so I'm not sure if this changed or if I was just wrong, but I could swear all offseason he was an edge rusher. Hmm. Like he was just running off the edge. But, yeah, he's playing off the ball, and he just – it looks hilarious. It looks – it literally <laughs> looks hilarious. It looks like you took a player from the basketball team and said, go play middle linebacker <laughs> yeah. in the Pac-12. Hey, Jabari Walker, go play middle linebacker. Yes, except you're, like, way less. 
<laughs> I guess he's got a wingspan that he can put to his advantage. He really uh, does, and he yeah. knocked down a pass in the game against Oregon State because of it. I'll um, take I'll take USC. I'll take USC. The Sun, I hate it though. The Sun Devils did put up 13 on Utah, like you said. However, <laughs> they did have uh, a garbage time touchdown at the very end there. And honestly, just watching it back, I thought Utah was really just kind of in cruise control the whole game. Mm-hmm. They obviously didn't really feel the pressure. Last one, guys. Colorado travels to Tucson to play the Wildcats. Wildcats are 17 and a half point favorites. I'm not taking the buffs until they cover. No, exactly. I'm taking Arizona. <laughs> I made so much money last week on Colorado and Colorado State. I got, I mean, they've lost four in a row by 25. You got to you got to take Arizona. The only thing I, w- I would say could change this is if the buffs just run the ball really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but they haven't even shown a willingness to commit to the, maybe it's just because they're trailing by so much, but. Even when they get the run going, they don't stick with it. Can only run the ball three times before you have to punt. <laughs> True. That's the tough part. <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you're gashing them. Well, when you're averaging 3.6 yards a carry, though. Oh, I know, I know. I'm just saying, but, like, you, you know, against Air Force, you, like, gashed them down the field and right. finally got in there, and then you kind of got away from it. Um, we'll do the full deep dive on Friday, but I will say this. This is a, very, uh, this is a team that if Colorado can just get it together – they should be able to mount some drives and score some points. I don't know if they cover, but they should be able to have some success, um, more success relative to what they've had the past few weeks. How's Arizona's running game? Uh, not very great. Uh, coming into the – Hank and I were just talking about it before the show. I think it was 125 yards per game on the ground they are averaging. Of course, Colorado's average is way up there in the 300s still. <laughs> there's a yeah there's a world in which the buffs run the ball and stop the run that this is a close game yep um 17 and a half points um i would not advise it any way or the other i truly don't know but you can catch all those odds on DraftKings. um that's gonna do it for us today though guys thank you guys for joining the show thank you to ryan and hank uh shout out to the american raptors we will be back on friday Scobuffs. 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 buffs